lately, I've been doing a lot of artwork. And as a result, I am starting to look at a lot more of other people's work online. And one of the amazing things that I keep discovering is how people who do anything creative, whether that's words, images, or music, forget how our work can affect other people and bring light into the darkest moments of their lives. And so today, I would like to talk to about the power of creativity on this episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today I want to just go back to basics. I mean, root basics. We, as creative folk, have power. And it's power that the world will always fear. This is why censorship has always been a problem for the arts. Whether you're doing art music, poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and whether you're just doing public speaking in some way, shape, or form, there is a power to the creative world that we wield that will always terrify those in, well, I was going to say those in power, but those who believe that they have power. And you see, power is given by assent. It is not taken. It is only given. Someone only has power if we allow them to have power. This is where the arts creep in. Because it's really easy to assent to a picture. It's really easy to assent to a song. To give it permission to move us. To give it permission to let us feel things, to teach us things, to connect with our unconscious mind and show us worlds so far beyond our imagining that we couldn't have had access to them without it. This is why we have always been feared or that they have tried to co-opt us and use us for their own advantage. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to be getting into politics in this episode. It's not a thing that I want to do, but it is a thing that we need to be aware of because so many of us have causes that we believe in. So many of us have things that we want to get out into the world and we make the mistake of becoming preachy. We mistake saying the thing that we are for, for showing what it could be. You see, the power of Star Trek and the message that it brought into the world was simply showing us the bridge. There we are with an American, a Vulcan, someone from the African Union, someone from Japan, and someone from Russia. And if Scotty was on the bridge, someone from Scotland. All together in one place, in harmony and in unity, 
working together to solve problems and to have adventures, working as friends, male, female, everything. And seeing that allows the mind to believe that it is possible. You see, just having the cast of the original series be who they were gave power to the ideas that would be espoused by the show. We don't have to preach. We don't have to get on our high horses or on our soapboxes and tell people what they should believe and what they should do. Because the power of art is that we lead by example. Now that can be a little disturbing, and I don't want you to get nervous, just to know that it can happen. So what does it actually mean to lead by example? Does that mean that you need to be perfect? Because a lot of people tend to believe that that's what those words mean. But it's not. That's not actually what we do. That's not actually the point and purpose of what we do. Because no one is perfect. No one who walks under the sun is perfect. And I'm pretty sure people on other planets wouldn't be either. You see, perfection is an illusion that we strive for. It's a goal that we know that we'll never attain. No, the way we lead by example is literally through the stories that we tell. The imagery that we use, the spirit in which it's all delivered. Now, I talk a lot about the band Ghost, because they are masters of this. They write devil music, worshipping the devil and all of the dark and dastardly things of the world. They have songs about human sacrifice, about mortality, about plagues and pestilence. And yet, the community that has grown up around them is, for the most part, warm and affectionate and loving and caring. How did that happen? How do you get those two things together? Because the devil in their music is a character. It is a character of defiance who doesn't want to be restricted by other people's rules and is tired of being told what's right and what's wrong by people who are doing the very things that they're being told are wrong. The characters that we meet throughout their music and through their live shows and music videos and the chapters and what have you that they've put out surrounding it are all characters that are filled with life and a celebration of life and remembering that we are special. Each and every one of us is special. And it doesn't matter what our race, religion, creed, gender expression, sexual orientation, gender identity. It doesn't matter any of that. None of that really matters. We are all here to celebrate, to live, and to have fun. And that message is carried through their music, and in their shows, and in their videos. And the playfulness of it has inspired so many others to pick it up and run with it. And so the community that grows around them is, for the most part, accepting and warm and loving and caring. Because 
that's what drew us to the band. You see, it's the themes in our work, often much more than the work itself, that resonates. When you're watching a show and there's just something about it, but you don't know what it is, but it draws you in, it's probably the theme. And it's a theme that means something to you, and something about the expression of it in that particular piece of media resonates. It tolls in you, it resounds in you like a bell, and makes you want to be a part of it, makes you want to have it in your life. So we need to pick our themes carefully and make sure that they're the themes that we actually want. That's the power of creativity. It's not in the overt message. It's not in the plot of the book or the movie. It's not in the visuals or the music or the sound. It's how they all play together and interact to reveal this secret hidden world this unconscious mind of the story world. And it's that unconscious mind of the story that reacts with our unconscious mind. And that is what pulls us in. That's what holds our attention. That's how real leadership works. Because we don't blindly follow. At least we shouldn't. None of us should. Never blindly follow anyone. But when you feel that resonation, when you feel that pull, you can't help but go and see what's there, what's behind the scenes, what's behind the curtain. You want to know more and more and more, and you're drawn further and further in. That's the power we have as artists, and that's the power that the artists that we love have over us. this episode is a primer for Wednesday's World Building 201, where we're going to be talking about the Jungian archetypes. And I'm probably going to put it on the playlist with the other World Building 201 episodes. So what is theme? How is theme important? How do we discover our theme? How do we put theme into our fiction? Theme is the secret thing that your story is about. And I'm actually going to do this by example. Why are the Fast and Furious movies so popular? Is it Vin Diesel's raw charisma? Is it The Rock's eyebrow movements? No. It's not even ludicrous being really funny in those movies. It's not even the car chases and the insane scenarios that they make. No. Those are movies about family. And it's very overt about it. It is very overt about it. Don Toretto, at some point in the movie, will give at least one speech. And that's uh, Vin Diesel's character, if you're not a fan of the oeuvre of Fast and Furious world. Don Toretto will, at some point, give a speech about family and why family is important. Because family is the heart of that show. Of each and every one of them. Each and every one of them, even the Sean Hobbs spinoff movie, family is a key, important, and vital part of that story that makes it work. And you can see it in how the characters interact as a found family. 
you can see it, how new, new characters are brought into the found family, how danger is reacted to as a threat to the family, and how literal family, as in the relationships and whatnot with sisters and children and whatnot, play into the story. But just in case you missed it, Don Toretto is going to at some point sit everybody down for a barbecue and extol the virtues of family. And that's why those movies work. They have a heart that a lot of action movies don't. And so the silliness and the craziness and the over-the-top dramatics that fill the Fast and the Furious franchise are rooted in this family relationship between the characters, between some of the actors. And we see that. We react to that. And if you like action movies and you love that idea of found family that will be with e with each other through thick and thin, no matter how crazy the situation, then those movies will resonate with you. And that's power. That's how theme works. So, and it's not in, intrinsically obvious. Because when you think about a Fast and Furious movie, it's about cars, it's about crazy situations that you can put cars in. I mean, they've had cars jump out of planes from building to building, be chased by a submarine on ice. I mean, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about a Fast and Furious movie probably isn't family. But that is, at their heart, what each and every one of those movies is, except for Tokyo Drift, which is why it feels a little strange and off to the side. I'd also say that for Too Fast, Too Furious. They figured this out by about the fourth one and then retroactively added it back in so that if you rewatch the series, it suddenly feels like it was in those two movies, even though it wasn't originally intentionally there. Because that is the power of theme. Once you've said it, once you've taken a character and said, this character is a part of our family. Family is all that is important. Family is the most important thing. Then you go back to a work that did not have that theme, but is part of that same world, it by contagion inherits that theme. So that's what you need to ask yourself. What is the hidden realm? Is your story about love, family, friendship, salvation, damnation, judgment? It's going to be a large idea, and it's going to be one that you're not going to feel that you can tackle in your story. If you've read Save the Cat, she actually gives you a list of, I think, 20 of them that is the secret heart of the story. I mean, see if the cat writes a novel. Pick one. Now, I'm sorry for the pun that this segment is kind of based off of, but it's true. Learning to see theme is learning to unlock the matrix. It really is. It will reveal so much to you about your own fandoms and the things that you love. It will show you so much about yourself and why you resonate with the topics and shows that you do. It also helps you understand movies. 
You see, the Wachowskis didn't realize they were writing a trans narrative when they created The Matrix. But they did. And those of us who are part of the trans community recognized ourselves in it. We saw that weird, sickly green world that Neo was trapped in before he escaped the Matrix as dysphoria. It's a wonderful visual metaphor for dysphoria. And learning who you actually are, his connection that he grows with Trinity, all of that, learning to be himself, to be the one, because it's not the one he was born as, but who he realized he was. You know, not what he was assigned at birth. We saw those themes. They resonated with us strongly. To the point where the sisters went back and looked at their work and saw it themselves. And went, yeah, I don't know how much that was actively in our heads, Lily said. But it is obviously informing this narrative. And it was. Once you start to see theme, and can identify theme, then a lot of strange oddities about music, movies, art, and what have you, start becoming very clear. It, It really does open up everything so that you can see them much clearer. Star Trek is about infinite diversity and infinite combination. That is the theme that runs through all Star Trek, until you get to the ones that J.J. did, and he just doesn't understand Star Trek because he doesn't understand Star Trek. But I digress. (laughs) You can see it in its DNA. It's the core of what it is. That's what resonates. That's what draws people in. That's what gives the show a life beyond the page. You see, the theme, if it is built well into the characters, allows you to see them beyond the actions of the story. A well-written theme will make the characters feel real, no matter how on rails or locked into the story they are. You can start imagining what they do in their off time, who they hang out with, what they do when they're hanging out together, because you have this other thing to hold on to. And it's what draws us in. It really is. I keep saying that, but I want to hammer it home. Everybody wants their work to be sticky. They want people to get hooked And yes, there are things that you can do with your prose to write a good hook to suck people in and make people go, ooh, I want to know more. Yes, there are tricks and things that you can do, but they only work once. (laughs) If the rest of the book doesn't have something to retain them, to keep them going through it, then they're not. Think about it. How many movies have you gone to watch or books have you started to read that were fascinating and then slowly lost your interest? And you don't really know why. It's not because the plot got boring or dull or it just stopped. It just stopped working for you. That's because the theme didn't shine through. That's because the theme got lost in all of the other details that you had to look at. 
And so the thing that drew you in, the thing that excited you about the show, fell apart. This is what doomed Game of Thrones. This is what destroys franchises. This is the destroyer of worlds. Dan and Dave of Game of Thrones Infamy are famous for their statement that theme is something for fifth grade papers. And that's why the show doesn't work. That's why everybody got so frustrated. Because they set up some powerful themes in their story. And you know what? You can subvert themes. That's something that you can do. And if you want, we can talk about that on a future episode of the podcast. But they had established, firmly established, various themes for each character and for the world itself and where it was going. And for those of us who felt betrayed by the end, it's because they saw that we were very excited about those themes and very consciously decided to go against them, to defy them, to give the work a verisimilitude because, you know, life doesn't have themes running through it. Well, then your life must be boring and terrible because we are narrative beings. And whether or not the events did when you went through them, I bet you if you look back at your life, especially the older you get, you really start seeing this. You start seeing themes and through lines and plot lines running behind you, getting you to where you are now. Now, were they intentional? Were they meant to happen? That's an ecumenical matter. That's something that we could talk about on a metaphysical or spiritual plane. But it doesn't matter whether you believe that they were meant to happen, whether they were the hand of providence or fate or what have you, or just sheer happenstance that appears to look planned in hindsight. For our, the sake of our discussion right now, none of that matters. Because you're writing fiction. And fiction requires a heightened sense of reality. In other words, it needs you to have the characters do things that they would never do in real life. And so even if you think that life is completely random and that nothing really matters in the end, if you write a story where that is the way of things, there's a good chance you're going to lose your readers along the way. Because that's not how our brain wants to process especially stories, like specifically story. We're here seeking meaning. We're here seeking purpose. We're here seeking that through line. So if we show up to your work and it's missing, then we're going to have a problem getting into it. We're going to have a problem following it because the cues that our psyche are expecting are not there. So don't be Dan and Dave. Like if I can give you one piece of advice to help you 100% improve your creativity, to improve your stories, to improve your output, don't be Dan and Dave. Make sure you are putting a theme in your fiction and following it through. Now, that doesn't mean everything has to always end happily ever after. You could have a story about redemption and have the character not actually achieve redemption. 
Because redemption should be hard. I mean, what does redemption mean, after all? This is a really big question for us now as a society, especially with cancel culture and all of that, right? Once somebody has been canceled, how do they get uncanceled? Because I don't want to live in the world of the Scarlet Letter where you just get the Scarlet Letter on on you and you're gone forever. Yeah, you might deserve to be gone forever, but if you actually try to reform and change and come back from that, how, how do? How exactly do we do that? How do we accomplish that? And we need to ask ourselves those questions. We need to be looking into how, how do. And that's where theme can be a very powerful generator of story. Because if you just have a problem like that, like how do you come back from being canceled or from doing something? that got you canceled, like legitimately deserving it. How do you come back? Can you ever come back? These are big cultural questions. And they're rife for stories. So when you're looking for your story and you're having a hard time finding one, I often start with theme. What am I feeling right now? And what am I looking into right now? What are the questions that I have about life? And then breaking that down and finding the story within it. Just to wrap all this up in a nice, neat bow. The one thing that you need to know, and if you watched the live stream that I did on Saturday night, God bless you because we talked about a lot of stuff because it was very chatty. But if you watch the live stream, you'll know that Jules is reading a book where, for at least a brief period of time, the author confused theme and moral. And they are not the same thing. The moral of the story may be born out of your theme, but it is not your theme. And unless you're writing for children, be wary of having a moral to the story. Because that that's that is the path on which preachiness lies. You see, this is one of the things that I agree with James Joyce about. He defined three types of art. There's real art, then there's what he called didacticism and pornography. The didactic pushes us away from something. The pornographic draws us towards something. But art, Joyce said, holds us in a state of static arrest. It just grabs us and it won't let us go. It doesn't move us towards it or away. We're just trapped in its gaze, like Medusa's servants. I love that idea and I love that imagery. And I'm not saying that your story can't move people one way or the other. I think that real art does move people. But he is right when he gets into the nitty-gritty of it. Anything that draws us in is pornographic. It creates desire to have more. Anything that pushes us away is didactic, which means teaching. It's a big word for teaching. It's didactic. It's don't do this, don't do that. And the more we put of that in our work, the less likely we are to have those moments of sublime beauty, which we all strive to have. Now, I think there are very few works that capture perfectly this idea of static arrest, but like with all perfections that we strive for, 
It is a goal to put out into the universe. I hope this episode was helpful to you. It's something that we were talking about the other day and I just couldn't get out of my head and thought we would talk about on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear on this show, let me know in the com- in the show notes. You'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. I think they cut you off at one minute. I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to send it in via social media, I am C.E. Dorset on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. And definitely be checking out my story because I'm putting like secret things in there that I'm not sharing on my main thing on IG. So just, just so you know. Alrighty. If you have a buck that you can pass my way down in the show notes, you'll find a link to listener support, my Patreon and my coffee account. Thank you to everybody who does that. It really does mean the world to me, especially right now where money is tight and it is hard to make a living doing anything, much less anything creative. Thank you so much. You mean the world to me. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that is perfectly 100% all right. And please do not feel any pressure or guilt about that. If you don't have the money, but you want to help, share what I'm doing. Share something of mine that you love with someone else. The hardest part about being a creative is getting other people to know that you exist. So if you can help me get over that hurdle, then you have done a great service. And thank you so very much. I have a Discord that you'll find a link to down in the show notes. If you join that Discord, I am soon going to be putting in codes to give you founders privileges over on World Anvil so you will be able to see things that other people can't. Woo-hoo. Thank you so much. Just thank you so much for everything. Y'all mean the world to me. And until next time, as we always say, because we haven't fi- fixed anything, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, be loud, be proud. We, we can make a difference if we don't stop fighting. May you have the courage to ride your dreams into reality. And until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.